The series that we have been in, what we have been exploring, is um, it's very lengthy. It's often uh, overlooked by those that prefer short reads. However, uh, in its great length, there's, uh, there's also great depth. It is multifaceted scripture. It is rich. We've been looking at it for two to three weeks right now. And it's well worth the time that it will take you to explore all the way through it. And that is Psalms chapter 119. So Psalms chapter 119, for those of you that maybe did not attend the last two weeks, today's your first time here, and that's fine. Um, we are in the third message of this series, but I want to give you some background on the book so that you'll understand where we're going with this. Um, Psalms 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible, and it's important to understand its background. It is comprised of 22 stanzas, each being eight verses long, and each verse has two lines. Every stanza sequentially begins with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So there was a structure, there was a rhyme and a reason to David's wordiness. He wasn't just rambling on or he wasn't just saying words that had no significance. This was a very well thought out and developed passage of scripture. In fact, there is a tradition in the Eastern Orthodox Church that King David used this psalm to teach his son Solomon both the Hebrew alphabet, but also the alphabet for spiritual life. So I mentioned in the beginning of this series that Psalm 119 has some major themes that are running throughout its landscape. And the first one that we dug into was David's emphasis on the Word. He teaches us that without the Word, you cannot effectively walk, weather, or war. The Word is absolutely essential, and if you have a deficiency of the Word of God in your life, you will stumble, you will find yourself surrounded, and you will ultimately surrender and give in. And then last week, we dealt with David's instruction to us on prayer. And I'm praying that you have been praying the three prayers that the psalmist modeled for us to pray that we looked at last week. The first prayer was, teach me. Has the Lord taught anybody anything this week? I hope that He has. The second prayer is bless me. I don't need to ask if you prayed that because most of us are guilty of praying that all the time. And the third prayer is protect me. We need God to watch over us and protect us from the enemy. And I know the mothers in the room will agree this morning. We need God to watch over our children and protect our children from the enemy. Amen. So we don't need to squander our blessings. We need knowledge and we need protection from the Lord. But with all of that background, just as prevalent as God's Word and prayer are in Psalms 119, there's another theme that I can see so clearly. And this shouldn't surprise us since we know who the author of Psalm 119 is. However, just because he is known for this kind of teaching doesn't diminish the incredible insight and instruction that he is able to give us in this chapter, in this passage of Scripture. If anything... The fact that the writer is known for this teaching should cause us to sit up and listen closer. The third major theme that the psalmist, who was the worshiper, the singer, the songwriter, the musician, David, the, first, the third thing, the third major thing that he dealt with was praise. David just could not help himself. In fact, teaching, if he was teaching his son what is important in life, then David realized that he had to deal with praise. Let's dive in this morning and see what David has to say to us in this passage of Scripture about praise. But I want to warn you, first of all, 
Although we normally like what David has to say about praise. Because David says these wonderful things like, With my whole heart, I praise you. I will sing your praise. With my lips, I give you praise. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Come into his courts with praise. David says all those wonderful things. But in Psalms 119, his teaching on praise is a little bit harder to handle. A little bit more challenging and a little bit more difficult. Has a little more edge to it. And sometimes it may hurt a little before we find its help. But we will find the help in the teaching the psalmist gives us about praise. So we're going to read two verses this morning. If you'll stand with me all over the house, we'll read the word, we'll pray, and then I'll let you be seated. The first thing that David dealt with was the when of our praise. Say when. Psalms 119.61 and 62 in the English Standard Version says this, Though the cords of the wicked ensnare me, I do not forget your law. At midnight, I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. We're going to speak this morning for a few moments on the subject of praise in the sermon series by the book because life is better when we live it by the book. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you this morning once again for the privilege and opportunity to be in your house. We thank you, Father, for your presence and your anointing that we've already felt here. God, we thank you for all the mamas in the house that we have been blessed to honor today. We pray a special blessing upon them and their families and upon the remainder of what they'll do in this day. But God, for right now, for the next few moments, I ask, Lord, that you would anoint every ear to hear your word and anoint every heart to receive your word. And God, I ask you that you wouldn't let me speak your word with the enticing words of men's wisdom, but Lord, your word would come forth today in the demonstration and in the power of your spirit. And Lord, we thank you today for the one that gave their heart back to the Lord, that rededicated their life to the Lord in the 845 service today. God, we thank you and we praise you for that. And we pray, God, if there's somebody else sitting in this service today that's not ready to meet you, that before this service is over, that God, they will make sure that they are ready to go out into eternity should they go out today, they would meet you. We'll give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in advance for what you're going to do in and through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Now give the Lord a big hand clap of praise as you're being seated this morning. I want to read that passage of Scripture again. David said, Though the cords of the wicked ensnare me, I do not forget your law. At midnight, I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. Another translation says it this way. He says, Though the wicked bind me with ropes, I will not forget your law. At midnight, I rise to give you thanks for your righteous laws. David is saying, I am bound with ropes. I am surrounded by midnight. But I know that deep praise comes from and is perfected and purified by deep pain. Let me say that again. Deep praise comes from, it is perfected and purified by deep pain. And in spite of praise, or a praise regardless kind of praise, requires a deep understanding that my praise, your praise, and His worthiness are not and cannot be based on my physical, current, natural surroundings. Say amen, somebody. Now what is it that we know about midnight? First of all, midnight is the darkest time. It is the darkest hour of the night. Midnight is in the middle of the night. That's why it's called midnight. 
Midnight is p.m. and a.m. almost all at the same time. In other words, David is saying that he is intentionally, catch this, he is intentionally giving God praise right in the middle of things that may be going on in his life. That's what he meant by midnight. See, David knew that he was intentionally going to give God praise in between the bad and the good. In between the moment when the sun is completely set and darkness surrounds me and that moment just before the sun begins to rise again. He says, I will praise you if my sun is setting and I'm surrounded by darkness, but I'll also praise you when I see the light coming. See, some of us are waiting to praise most of the time until we see change. Some of us quit praising when we see the sun is going down. We see something is not going the way that we intended for it to go. When we see a job coming to an end, we begin to pout rather than praise. When we see a relationship that is crumbling and it seems like there's nothing that we can do about it, we allow hands that were once lifted in praise to be wrung in worry. Here's one that hits close to home for most of us. When we get a diagnosis from a doctor that sounds like gloom and doom, instead of placing our trust in the Lord, we allow hands that were once raised in praise to be lowered in defeat. But David says, forget about all of that. Right in the middle, right in between. I can't tell if it's the end of a thing or the beginning of a new thing. I can't tell if we've changed from night to day yet. It's so dark I can't see my hand in front of my face. The news that I got is so discouraging. It looks like God's not moving on anything. I'm right in the middle of the darkest hour of the night, but I'm still going to choose to praise because the God that I'm praising is worthy. See, we can watch some of you and be able to tell that you think the sun is setting. You used to worship when we worshiped, but now you Facebook and Twitter while worship is going on. Uh-huh. Boy, that was good, preacher. You used to worship while everybody else just stood and stared. We can watch others of you, though, and we can tell that you're beginning to see the light. Because you used to be the one standing and staring. Or maybe staring at your phone. But now... You're worshiping and praising. See, I get it, but David is trying to teach us that that is just surface level praise. That's immature praise. I could preach a whole sermon. I helped myself when I was writing this one when I wrote down immature praise. Because by and large, Pentecost is full of a lot of immature praise. That's why our kids can go to youth camp or they can go to Winterfest or they can go to Warrior Fest and they can come back and they'll be all hyped up, all excited, but then Monday morning rolls around and what happened to their praise? Oh, but it's not just the kids either. Here we go. 
We can, as adults, we can just be, everything's going the way we want it to go. How are you today? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. Everything's just going the way we want it to go. And oh, we're praising. We want to be right in the middle of what's going on up here in the front. We just want to be praising and lifting our hands and doing our dance. But then when trouble comes our way, we discover we actually have nothing more than surface level praise. David's trying to teach us, you'll learn what real praise is when it comes from deep within you right in the middle of inopportune times right in the middle of bad circumstances you'll still see here's the key to this verse that's still on the screen David didn't say at midnight something jerked me up and caused me to praise you that's our problem in Pentecost we're waiting on something to pick us up we're waiting on somebody to lift us up but David David said at midnight, I rise. I bring myself up to give you praise. Do you think that every Sunday morning, I, you know, some people say to me sometimes, Pastor Sean, I love to watch you worship. Well, as flattering as that is, why are you watching me worship? What are you doing while I'm worshiping? Do you really think that I feel as good as I look most of the time when I'm worshiping? No, there's many times that I've sat right on that seat beside where my better half is sitting right now and I have to rise, bring myself up to give him praise. See, we need to be done with immature praise. I believe God's looking for a church of in-between praisers. I believe that he's looking for some people that you can't tell if their world is falling apart or if everything they touch is turning to gold by their praise. Because he's looking for some people whose praise really is about them anyway. It's not really about what they're going through or not going through. God's looking for some people whose praise is all about him. Somebody say amen. I'm not telling you to fake it. I'm just saying that we need to put the focus where it belongs because there is no amount of darkness that can diminish his light. There is no amount of darkness that can diminish his light. And bad days don't cause me to overlook or take for granted his goodness. Is there anybody else here this morning that will say with me, Pastor, I can praise him right in the middle of the night. Can you say that this morning? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. See, most of the time, we want to hold on to our praise until we experience freedom. We want to withhold our praise until we see the daybreak. We want to praise once things have already changed. But what are you going to do if you're just right in the middle of things? David says, praise. Then David continues to address the when of our praise when he says in Psalms 119, 164, listen at this. He says, seven times a day I praise you for your righteous rules. Now first of all, I've never known anybody that liked rules. Have you? No, you don't know anybody that likes rules. But David said, he's talking about the word. There are some rules in the word. Don't get nervous. I'm not going to preach that today. That's a whole other message. But there are some rules in the word. But David said seven times a day, 
I praise you. I would submit to you that our ratio in the church world is so out of whack that our lives end up following suit. David's ratio was seven to one. Seven times a day, I'll praise you. My daily life is broken down into praise breaks. Anybody ever took a praise break? Anybody know what that is? That's time set apart and set aside for worshiping God and thanking Him for His goodness. David was seven to one, but here's what I'll present to you. In the church world today, most Christians have altered that ratio to one to seven. Every seven days, we stop by one day to acknowledge Him. And that's only because it's church day. And we come in depending on somebody else to take us into his presence. We have got the ratio out of order. David said seven times a day. I want to tell you something this morning. I love you. I love this church. But if I had to wait on Sunday every week to get what I needed from the Lord, you might as well close the doors. Because I'm going to need him when my feet hit the floor in the morning. I'm going to need him sometime before lunch tomorrow. I can guarantee you I'm going to need him to zip my lip and shut my mouth sometime before I go home from work tomorrow evening. Seven times a day, I'm going to take a praise break and praise God because he's worthy and he's deserving of it. I'm not going to wait to give him praise once every seven days. David preached worship as a lifestyle. But our problem is we practice worship as an event that we can place on our schedule. And here we go. Even then, we make it optional. Not only do we change the ratio from seven to one... We also, that one, we make it optional. I'll go to church if I feel like it. I love this one. You know, people that work every day and have an alarm clock. I'll go to church if I wake up on time. Really? How do you get there on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday? You just go to work if you wake up on time? I'll go to church if it's not raining. You know, we don't like to get out in the rain. I mean, we'll do, oh, we'll do prom pictures and everything else in the rain. But Lord forbid we go to church. Woo, preacher, you're preaching good today. We'll do everything else except what we should do. We make it optional when really for the child of God, David's saying no every day. Several times a day, he is worthy of my praise. That's the when of our praise. I want to talk about the why of our praise. Psalms 119 and 171. David says, my lips will pour forth your praise. I want to stop right there. Because so many times I've heard it said, now, Pastor, I can praise the Lord without making a sound. Really? David couldn't. He said, my lips will pour forth your praise. For you teach me your statutes. Verse 175, he says, Let my soul live and praise you. And let, there we are again with those rules. And let your rules help me. See, David is dealing with the why of our worship. Why do we worship? It is an overflow of my life. I don't worship because I'm told to worship. 
or I'm led in worship. It's an overflow of who I am. In fact, I am alive to worship. We have been created to worship our Creator. And overflow results from being full of praise. Praise will never overflow if your mouth is never filling up with praise. It isn't in addition. It must become full of praise. Because here's the reality. Otherwise, if your mouth isn't full of praise, it's full of something else that will eventually overflow. You will live your life out of the overflow. Whatever is inside of you will be coming out of you. So if you don't fill your mouth with praise, you might be spouting off a lot of stuff that's just noise and doesn't benefit anybody. You know, this week we've been talking in the War Room Bible Study. I'm going to calm myself down. We're laying myself in here before I get too wound up. We've been talking in the War Room Bible Study. And this past week, I believe it was out of the book of Proverbs. The Psalms are Proverbs 1. But the writer said, put a guard on my mouth. We'd do good to live by that. We'd do better, though, to fill our mouths with praise and live our life out of an overflow. Because what's in you will come out of you. You can't help it. It just comes out. Let me live. Let me live that I may praise you. There's a song that they sing up here sometimes that says, To worship you I live. To worship you I live. I live to worship you. But we live our lives in actuality like praise is an afterthought instead of a forethought. My mouth must continually be filled with praise. I want to ask you this morning, what do you live for? Honestly evaluate that yourself. What do you live for? Do you live to praise like the psalmist said? If so, why does praise come last for most of us? Because if you are living for something, it will consume you. Some people are saying, oh, let me live so I can succeed. Let me live so I can excel. Let me live so I can accumulate. That's a good one. Let me live so I can be happy. No, no. David says, let me live so I can praise you. If our only reason to be alive is to praise, that means if we are not praising, we are forfeiting the very reason to live and we're settling for existence or for something else that cannot bring fulfillment to our purpose. We praise because we were created to worship. Reality is, you will worship something. And if you don't feel your life to overflow with worship for God, then you will worship His creation. You will worship things. You will worship a big house, a fine car. You'll worship a hobby because if it was pretty today, there'd be more people on the golf course. If you can't say amen, say oh me. You'll worship other things and in the, here's a good one for you in the summertime y'all didn't know that we had any naturalists did you but we got a lot of people that in the summertime they'll worship nature uh huh yeah you may not call it worship you may not realize it's worship but it is worship nonetheless we all worship something but we should be funneling that worship to the one who we were created to praise. Lastly, I want to talk about the how 
of our praise. Psalms 119 and 108. I love the English Standard Version wording of this. He says, accept my free will offerings of praise. First of all, the number one reason I like that is because by the very nature of the word offering, this should let you know that your praise will cost you something. Did you hear me? Your praise will cost you something. David's talking to the Lord and he says, accept my free will offerings of praise. So he's saying, accept what I am freely giving you that cost me something to praise you. And I'm not talking about money. Because when you're going through trouble, sometimes it costs you some effort to give God some praise. You're going to have times in your life when you don't feel like giving a praise, but when you make an offering of praise, and when you make a sacrifice of praise, God honors that praise. And the psalmist said, so, O Lord, and teach me, there we are again, teach me those rules. Willing praise, not worked up praise, not half-hearted praise. Can I tell you this morning, it should not be like pulling teeth to get people to praise the Lord. I marvel sometimes, for lack of a better word, at the Herculean effort our worship team and our band have to give week after week after week to just try to get some of us to worship. And here we go. Some will say, well, they're too loud. They didn't sing my song. That one was too long. They kept repeating that bridge over and over again. Can I ask you something this morning? And here's another one. It's not my style. Oh, that's a good one. And as a matter of fact, you know, there's styles everywhere. I was in a church one time many, many, many years ago when praise and worship, this church just sung hymnals and southern gospel music. There's nothing wrong with either one of those. I like them both. That's all they sung, though. And worship music was really just kind of getting its start. And the song that some of the people in the church wanted to sing was Shout to the Lord. How many remembers that one? But the preacher said, Bless God, we're not going to allow that devil music in here. And I was sitting there and I thought, okay. Just sitting there in the service, I'm thinking, Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. Power and majesty, praise to the King. Mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name. I sing for joy at the work of your hands. Forever I'll love you, forever I'll stand. Because nothing compares to the promise I have in you. I don't know if he knows the same devil that I know. There ain't nothing about that song about the devil. We need to learn that some things are just tradition. And some things are just personal preference. But it isn't about tradition. It isn't about our personal preference. Because I want to ask you something. What does all of that have to do with your praise and His worthiness? 
Let me say that again. What does any of that have to do with your praise and His worthiness? David said a willing praise. But you know, sometimes it's like we have to be reminded of everything that God has done. Every attribute that He has. Somebody has to get up and talk about His faithfulness. Somebody else His graciousness. Somebody else His steadfastness. His kindness. His mercy. His goodness. And then finally, about four attributes in, some of us begin to get going and we begin to praise. But David says we ought to be a willing praise who gives offerings of praise that cost us something but we're willing to do it of our own free will because the truth is a willing praiser would be going before they ever got through that door so that when the first note is struck it doesn't matter if you like that note or not it doesn't matter if you like who's leading the song or not oh there's another good one. Oh, they didn't let me sing that song I wanted to sing that song Nicholas asked somebody else to sing it You know how I feel about that? I'm going to tell you how I feel about that. I feel the same way about that that I do. And we don't have this problem in this church. We don't. I've seen it a lot of places. But you know, there are these people in a lot of full gospel churches that like to go around. And they like to go from church to church. and never really have a grounded place. They like to go from church to church. They're always going somewhere to give somebody a word. You know any of those people? I know some of those people. But I want to tell you something. They want to prophesy. They want to give somebody a prophecy. But I want to tell you something. If you're not rooted and grounded in a church, and you don't have an apostolic covering, then you're not a prophet. And as far as I'm concerned, you can put your little prophecy in your pocket and you can take it somewhere else because I'm not going to allow that foolishness to go on here. Do you hear me? I feel, wait a minute before you even clap. I feel the same, because you may not clap at this, I feel the same way when you think it's got to be your song because it's your talent. You can put your little talent in your pocket and you can take it somewhere else and do your dog and pony show there because here we're going to lift up the name of Jesus. Here it's going to be about him and not about us because I read in this book and it tells me that if he is lifted up, you see when we lift ourselves up, when we lift somebody else up, it don't do me any good or you any good, but this book says when he is lifted up, he said I will draw all men unto me, but we'll see souls rededicated in the altar like we saw at 845 we'll see marriages restored we'll see homes put back together we'll see sick bodies healed when we lift up the name of Jesus Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, we have made our praise about preference instead of reference or reverence. I'm going to talk about both of those. If praise, if our praise was based on reference, we would be willing praisers because our reference would be to His worthiness. If our praise was based on reverence, then we would understand That this book says when two or three are gathered together, God is in the midst. And so because we know that God is here, we wouldn't dare just go through the motions. We wouldn't dare just sit there idle. When we know God is here, we would worship and we would praise. Now, if the President of the United States walked through that door right now, I know there's some of you don't like him. But if he was to walk through that door right now, regardless... Of which side of the aisle you sit on. Literally. Some of you will get that this afternoon. Regardless of what you think about him. 
I would say at least 90% of the people in this building would stand to their feet and clap and give an ovation. But we come to church and the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is in the building. And we just sit back on our praise. Do you see what David's saying? David's saying, be a willing worshiper. Don't just go through the motions. If your praise is based on reverence, you'll recognize when he's here. And when he's here, you'll worship and you will praise. But here's the deal. We've gone from willing worshipers to fleshly worshipers. So if our preference isn't met, we're unwilling to praise. Not my style. Not going to praise. Not my speed. Nope. Not my song. Not going to praise. Not the person I wanted to sing it. Unwilling to praise. Can I tell you something this morning? Our praise should never be about any of that. It should always be about Him. And let me throw this out there while I'm at it. Because this goes both ways, folks. Some people think, unless we're singing all modern songs with lights and smoke and cameras and action, then they can't worship either. I can tell you this morning, I can worship with the lights on. I can worship with the lights off. I can worship when they sing whatever they sung this morning about moving my body and my feet. And I can worship when they sing Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I can worship when there's big crowds. And I can worship when it's just me and the Lord in this building. Because my worship is not about you. It's not about this building. It's not about them. It's not about that. It's not about this. My worship is all about Him. He gave me a praise and He is worthy. And that's what our worship should be about hallelujah as they come to the music this morning sometimes you say I had a bad day well we've already dealt with the when and the why so we can't make that argument anymore it really shouldn't matter how we feel our praise should be constant and consistent David says we're to offer up a willing praise a willing praise if you'll stand with me all over the building this morning not a coerced praise not a forced praise not an emotional game that we're playing with people a willing praise we shouldn't dare make our worship team work so hard we should not dare let them worship as a substitute or a stand-in for us because that's not the way it works. Their praise doesn't do you any good. Your praise will do you some good. I'm praying that we'll learn to walk in here and live our lives as willing praisers. Matter of fact, I'm praying the day's coming when we change things up a little bit. I'm praying for the day when you come in and you lead them in praise. And they begin to question, wow, do they even need us? we got a lot of willing worshipers in this church. Really? That's my question this morning. Are you willing?
Are you willing? Are you a willing worshiper?